Hello and welcome to Romance Read Along. Today we will be discussing Suzanne Brockman's 2001 award-winning hit, Over the Edge. With a 4.22 rating on Goodreads, Over the Edge packs multiple storylines into its streamlined 416 pages. Navy Helo pilot Terry Howe is strong, dedicated, and highly skilled, but has always struggled to stand up for herself. When a creep from her past refuses to take no for an answer, Terry seeks help from Senior Chief Dan Walshenup. Proud of his role as the team's fix-it man, Dan is happy to help. It isn't long before... Dan begins to suspect he could happily spend the rest of his life with Terry Howe. Meanwhile, terrorists hijack a plane full of hostages, complicating an already fraught situation. Hostage negotiator Max Baguette struggles not to get too close, and Israeli envoy Helga Schuler struggles to hide her growing confusion. It is my opinion that you read this book before listening further to our episode. Um, there are many surprises ahead. And here with me is Joe. Welcome. Well, it's glad to be here, Tony. I'm very excited and uh, truth be told, thank you for the extra time to finish the exciting book. And I'd really like to uh, get an opportunity to discuss it with you today. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. Excellent. I've been looking. I've been looking forward to discussing this book uh, with you for quite some time. Want- I mean, it was a, a very exciting uh, book, and I. I uh, generally can predict the outcome in, in many sections of the of the readings, but uh, but this one threw me a little bit. Um, so that's good. You know, it makes it uh, makes it more interesting if you're not just waiting for the outcome that you suggested from the business. So, uh, which I can do with great expertise now in my real specialty is Hallmark movies. But uh, it was a good read. A lot of different characters. Uh, really a worldwide uh, uh, setting, um, lots of action, lots of romance, and intrigue. So, um, you know, it starts out with um, the military is uh, heavily involved, um, special ops, the SEALs, the FBI, and so on and so forth. So the book tends to be uh, that type of a story, uh, although romance is, uh, is the dominant uh, theme in my mind. There were several different romantic uh, interludes being discussed, and um, it really, it really was uh, able to hold my interest throughout the whole thing. So, yeah, very excited. Good recommendation, and look forward to talking more about it. Can I ask you what surprised you most about the book? What happened that was unexpected for you? Um, it's hard to say what was the most. Um, surprising. Clearly, the relationship with uh, 
with uh, Stan and was it Helga or Martha who was the emissary to Israel? So Helga was the emissary to Israel and right. Marta was Stan's mother. Right, and they were childhood friends. So, so that evolution where this woman is um, at some point in her life, I guess early 60s, she's starting to struggle a little bit with memory issues and she wants to go back and revisit the characters from her past. Very, very challenging time. Sweden, Nazis, Gestapo, uh, people lost touch with each other. And this was her very, very dear friend. There were some other romantic interludes here as well. So that that surprised me. And uh, it was really a nice touch, add a lot of background, maybe even helped me better understand the character of Stan. So uh, um, also Stan's, you know, continued... Uh, half-hearted, shall I say, or textbook maybe, uh, attempts to uh, to get Teresa or Tess, uh, Tess, right? Uh, in- Terry. Terry. Terry, sorry, involved with you, uh, someone You who definitely can- don't want to call her Tess because there, there's a Tess in yeah. uh, a yes. few books from now. Oh, okay, I won't call her that then. Okay, yeah. So Terry, the, the, the Stan's attempts to pawn Terry off onto other people that he thought were more suited to her. Uh, that was surprising as well. I would have thought he would have, a guy of his uh, determination would have given up on that f- fallacy uh, a lot earlier. So yeah, I guess that was surprising. Well, he's, he's pretty used to seeing himself as, you know, Mr. Single Guy. Also, it seems to me that Stan Reads is a guy who doesn't see himself as as like relationship material, right? In the bar scene where he has to rescue Kenny from himself, you know, you get the impression that Stan pretty much only dates barflies, you know, for brief periods of time. And that they're only really interested in him because he's in the Navy? Um, I, I didn't read that much into it, but clearly his choice of relationships tend to be um, tend to be um, short term and, and, and he's, he, he, he looks for those, right? Um, but mm-hmm. it seems as though in his mind his real, obligation is to his team and to Mr. Fix-It. You know, he can do it all. He can fix all the problems. And his own personal life seems to take a, a backseat to all of that. Now, that may be just as you said, he, he doesn't do well in relationships. And so therefore, it's easy for him to engage himself in other activities uh, and just attribute his lack of any kind of long-term or important relationship to the fact that he's always very busy. So it's tough to say chicken or egg there, but clearly, clearly um, a lifetime of, of uh, these kind of short-term intimate relationships has uh, been the definition, have, has defined him up to this point, I would say. Like, I think part of it is that he's very busy and that he's sort of dedicated his life to the Navy. But I think another part of it is he's very, 
wrong or otherwise self-conscious about his looks and doesn't necessarily think that he can pull like a, a quality lady on his own, especially given the lack of time he has to dedicate to a partner. Well, I, I, I wouldn't disagree with that. Um, uh, but I, I get more of the sense of he's always talking about how handsome these other guys are, right? Like to, to your point, maybe what chance do I have with how handsome these guys are, right? So chiseled jaw and beautiful hair and so on and so forth. So I guess, you know, along the same lines, he, he, he wears his, uh, he wears his look as a badge of a badge of courage or testament to the life he's lived in the many battles he's fought and the stresses that he's had to endure. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a little bit of it as well. Um, the way he portrays the Kelly and Lieutenant, what's his name's relationship? Tom. Tom, right, is like, really, he could be talking about himself, right? Who wants to be involved with a person that at any given moment is going to hop on a plane with, you know, enough explosives to take out a small country? You know what I mean? So he says that to Tom, um, but he may very well have been talking about himself as well there, you know, as to why no permanent. And do you you see what I mean about his interpretation of what Kelly was saying is yeah. more about his own life experience, yeah, right? I mean, With his father being in service and, yeah. you know, and then his mother like having to deal with that and then dying on top of it, yeah. right? Kelly, Kelly's got like a commitment problem, but her commitment problem has nothing to do with the Navy and... um and it really has nothing Literal- to do with the money, nothing to do with the money either, right? Not, not really. It doesn't really have anything to do with the money either. All right, don't it's tell more- me. Don't tell okay. me. Don't give me any spoiler stuff. I was. Oh, you know what else was surprising? That uh, that Terry had more money than. Well, it's not that she uh, admitted to. It just never came up in conversation. You know. So I really have no idea how much that stickly furniture really costs, but uh, certainly Stan was impressed by it. And she came clean saying, you know, I I invested some of the money from Leo, Leon, was it it Leon, Lenny from Lenny, you know, and, uh, you know, in the beginning, it was all about flight school for her. And then she had this money, wise investments, blah, blah, blah. So I wonder where that's going to go, too. So don't tell me. Okay. Um, yeah, it's not cheap. Remember, he said the furniture costs almost as much as a house. Yeah. And a house, even, you know, 20 years ago was not cheap, especially in California. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Did anything surprise was, you about the book? Um, I was a little surprised that uh, Sam got Mary Lou pregnant. Well, I, I, I was not expecting that. Yeah, well, she came in. Did, did, were you aware of her before the conversation towards the very end when whoever it was was trying to get to him? 
I I was. If you okay. remember the first scene in the book when Stan is called to the bar with the flu, Sam yeah. is there and he's there with Mary Lou. Mary Lou was not the one they were trying was that the that wasn't one of the people that they were trying to pawn off on Stan, was it? The woman by the jukebox drinking the soda was right. Mary Lou's sister, right. Janine. Right. Okay. So I didn't infer from that conversation that Sam and Mary Lou's sister or whoever were were an item. So so that part maybe I should have picked up on that. So it was a complete. I didn't even remember that encounter when that truth came up. And yeah, I was a little bit surprised that his version of uh, I got to do the right thing was to marry this woman, you know, so. Yeah, they mentioned Mary Lou a couple of times. First at the bar, she's dancing with Sam and he's a little drunk and he tries to introduce his date to Stan when he arrives. And then when Sam is on the boat with um, Ken, Kenny and Johnny and they get called in, right? Um, Kenny says, you know, you have, you have to call Mary Lou back. You can't just ghost her. Right. Right. And that's kind of foreshadowing, right? Because the reason she's trying so hard to get in touch with him is because she's pregnant. Yeah. I didn't pick up on that. I, you know, I remember what you just described. I didn't interpret it that way. I just interpreted it as something he wasn't interested in. So. But uh, what was his what was his true love's name again? Alyssa. Alyssa. That was a disappointing conclusion to that relationship. And my guess is that it's not the last we've heard of it. So it's not it's not the last we've heard of them. Um, okay. Is there anything that at the end of the book you're like? I want to see this in the next book. This is what I'm waiting for. Well, you know, there's a lot of things, actually, right? I, I want to see where uh, Tess, uh, um, I'm sorry, what's his, what's, what's Hal's first name again? Terry. Terry. I want to see where Terry and Stan wind up. I want to see what happens to um, Helga. Yep. And I want to see, what, what was her guy's name, Desmond? Desmond. Yeah, I want to see what happens to Desmond because we just realized, or I just realized at the end, that he was not ex-Massad. He was still working for them, right? So I'd like to see yes. where that thing goes. I want to see where, um, what's the FBI, uh, Starrett? What's his name? The main uh, the, the, the FBI main is Max Bagat. Yeah, Max Bagat. I'm interested to see if he ever rendezvous in a real world back with Gina. Was it Gina? Gina, yeah, from the plane. So I'd like to see how that plays out. Um, and, um, you know, I, 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 I'm, I don't know why, but I'm pulling for um, Lisa, Sam's girlfriend. What is it? Lisa? Mary Alyssa? Lou. Oh, Alyssa. Alyssa. Yeah, I'm pulling for Alyssa here, so I want to see where that goes. Are you hoping Alyssa winds up getting Sam, or are you hoping she winds up with somebody else? Um, well, 
I mean, the romantic in me is I'm hoping she winds up with Sam. Um, I, if, if somebody else, if your inference is another character in the book, um, you know, I don't, I, I, I don't know. I don't see somebody else there. So I think they're very unique individuals, the two of them. And I think that their attraction to each other is much more than I originally thought it was. And I think they have uh, an appreciation for each other's professional skill set. And, and that would make them tolerant of the lifestyle, whereas someone from outside the lifestyle would not be able to understand that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping for her and Sam, I guess. And you don't want any spoilers, correct? I don't want any spoilers. Okay. Is is the next book the the next one I should read? Yeah, okay. I think you should probably we should probably do them in order because you don't want to. Um, it it'll get confusing if you try and read them out of order. Okay, I you know I can't. I can't. Uh... I'm still rolling around in my mind who plays these characters in the movie. Oh, are you one of those people who tries to cast them? Generally not. But but this this thing was, uh, well, you know, maybe it was, I don't know, generally not. But I was, I, I guess, perhaps the truth be told, I would like to see who plays uh, Elise and who plays uh, Terry. That's so funny because I um I am terrible at visualizing what characters look like. So, you know, beyond beyond um very specific um physical descriptions, you know, that might play into the plot, I don't really picture them. Yeah, well, I, I don't do well visualizing people, so I need uh, the whole world of Hollywood to help me with that, you know? I can't just visualize them out of thin air, so. But I'm, I'm excited to, uh, to, you know, understand the characters better, so. Okay, and have you checked to see who's next? Uh, no, no. Oh, excellent. Do you want to give a guess who's next? What do you mean? Who's next? Well, I mean, this is a series, right? Yeah. And every, and the way it works is there's the, okay. So the way, the way Suzanne Brockman writes her books, she's got a past storyline, a present storyline, and a future storyline, right? So in this book, you had a World War II storyline, right? And those are usually unique to the book, right? So that's done now. And then the book was Stan and Terry, right? And then she sets up for the next book. So this was the book with Stan and Terry? Is that what you say? Yes, this is Stan and Terry's book. You might later on down the line you know, get a check-in with them. But you can comfortably assume that they are married and living in their bungalow okay. until What's told otherwise. Next... What's the name of the next book? Out of Control. I don't know. I guess 
I guess I would like to see the Max Begat and Gina story. Um, you know, she's a young woman who has really shown her metal. So, um, and really the only way for that relationship in my mind to continue is for one of them to go to the other side, you know, and I, and I wouldn't see Max as a musician dating a woman who's meaningfully less than him, uh, younger than him, but mm -hmm. I, I would, I could see him as mentoring her into the FBI or something of the like, and then age age seems to be less relevant there, you know? So yeah, I guess I would like to see that. And I also would like to know more about Des and where, what, where he's going to wind up. In this, I'm going to have to disappoint you. We never see Des again. Wow. Yeah. All right. That, this, this was his only appearance. Yeah. He just did his business and then rode off into the sunset to go back to his life. Okay. Uh, same with Helga. As far as I know, Helga no, never shows up again. Um, Good. No, I was, I was just, I was picturing Helga's hotel room with all the post-it notes. It, it seems to be that that scene is a very visceral one that people often remember from this book. Yeah. Even if they remember nothing else, that just this this little old woman in a shabby hotel room, surrounded by post-it notes. Yeah, you know, I was mad at her at at a point. You know, like for she knew she didn't know the specifics of this thing, but she knew how important whatever it was she was going to be asked to do was, and yet, and she knew better than anybody what was happening with her memory. I mean, and I guess the second m most knowledgeable person was Des, but, you know, I guess I was a little mad at both of them, you know? Because she put herself in that situation. Well, everybody she else, yeah. She, she put herself in a situation that really jeopardized a lot of people. Yeah. I think she didn't realize how bad off she was until she was there yeah. and then, you know, but you have to forgive her because it, she's necessary for the plot, right? She needs well, to be there with no reason to risk losing her job, right? In order to tell them about the bomb. Oh, you think that's you? So you don't think anybody else would have done that? Okay. I, all right. I, I buy that. I yeah, I think yeah. I think Des wanted to let them know, but had no way of doing it. Yep. At, right, and you know, at the end of the day, Des works for Israel, and he can't get himself fired over this this plane. You know, yeah. if his if his boss doesn't want him to say, he can't say, right. No, you're right. That, you're right. She, she, so you needed somebody without a real long-term consideration to their careers. Exactly. Right? Yeah. No, exactly. you're right. That's, that's, that's exactly right. She had to be there. All right. Um, I'm on with that one. Okay. I'm good with that one.
So, but yeah, it was like, what, why are you, when you first meet her, you're like, why are you here? Right. But yeah. I think she's, she's a very adorable and, and charming character to, to most, most readers, you know? Yeah. But it could, could definitely be scary because she definitely did put a lot of people at risk yeah. by not knowing what was going on around her yeah. in that situation. And Des becomes critical then, right? Right. You know, and then they they all have to, like, escort her to make sure she's not... <laughs> doesn't get lost in the hallway. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But she still was a fiery old lady, you know, on the on the microphone trying to get him and then negotiating with Terry to get, you know, let's go. Exactly. Not, not Terry, exactly. right? It was the other guy. So, Well, Terry was the pilot who flew them out to the airfield. Got you. Right. And then, and then took the dead lady and dumped her in the ocean. Right. Exactly. That that was a good one. I, ha I have to admit... Um, Characters getting shot in romance novels is a very common trope. But usually it's like a penance thing, right? Where like a character has been an asshole and in order to garner sympathy from both the other character and the audience, they get shot in a heroic fashion. Right. You know? And I, you, I think what do you like call that? What did you call it? Penance? Penance, you know, like you're making up for being terrible. Oh, okay. So you have to get shot heroically, yeah. you know. Well, but I thought say, when Terry got shot, I really thought she got shot, shot, not just flak jacket shot, you know. Yes. And, and, you, when and you were says, supposed to. Uh, well, they, they got me, right? And then when he gets shot, he says, I'm dead. Right. right, but clearly he wasn't. So right when he, he says, and the, and the poor poor Gina, I uh, I hope the senator gets her a good job or something, man. Yeah, it, that was real bad. Um, yeah. that was real bad. And remember, I told you I had some trivia about Gina. I I read in an interview that initially Gina was supposed to die. Yeah. Right. Remember when they throw the body out of the plane? That was initially supposed to be Gina. Well, how do you know? Um, how do you know it's supposed to be? Does what's her name the author say in the first draft that she was she died? Well, that that's that's what I read. I read in an interview with the author. Right. That initially, you know. Gina was going to die, right. but then like the relationship with Max started to grow and she started to like Gina as a person and she right. saw potential there. So she didn't snuff she her really, out. She saw another book deal. Well, but the thing this author always says is, you know, sometimes characters have to die to show the, um, the danger of the situation. Yeah. Right. Yep. Because especially romance novels and, and the genre in general, um, characters have what they call plot armor, which is like the characters can't die because the 
the plot doesn't allow it, right? Where it's not like reading um, epic fantasy, where the at the end of ten books, you know, most of the main characters have died horribly, right? Yeah. Because yeah. that's that's not what the audience is here for in in you know romance novels they're they're here for something more comforting right yeah. yeah but but sometimes death is necessary in order for you to understand the stakes that this is right real. yeah right that's why poor o'leary had to die yeah it's it's funny because the first time i read through this series i didn't even realize O'Leary had any like alive page time. Yeah. But he did. Uh, you know, Frank O'Leary had had alive page time and conversations and you know, they knew him and they were sad. Right? Oh yeah. Plus another everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Plus another reason O'Leary had to die was so that Alyssa could be the sharpshooter, right? Oh, that's true. Right, yeah, because they can't, they can't ask Alyssa to be one of the sharpshooters, even if she is better, because she's not, she's not in the Navy, let or associated with the SEAL teams, right? Yeah. She's in the FBI. That's not how that works. Yeah. Yeah. That's but true. in an emergency to, situation. Yeah. So you know. you, at one point, you asked me if I read the one uh voice or two or multiple voice uh book is there a single reader version of the book there is there's a single reader version of the book so how does one is when you when you get it in, in does do they tell you a single reader double you know multiple readers i didn't notice that yeah when you when you download an audiobook from the library or you um, purchase an audiobook, it'll always tell you who the reader is yeah. and, and how long the runtime is. Right. I missed that. So I, and maybe it's this book, but the multiple readers I found a little bit distracting at times. Um, and some of it had to do when the males were doing female voices and the females doing male voices. That confused me a little bit. I think listening to audiobooks definitely takes some getting used to. Yeah. Um, I have definitely read or read. I've listened to audiobooks where I'm like, this reader is very distracting. Yeah. And I I do not care for it at all. Um so the two-person one is narrated by uh, Patrick Lawler and Melanie Eubanks and is very popular because um, that's actually the second one. The initial one was narrated by uh, Laura Hicks and she's pretty good, but it's just one lady and she doesn't do much voices. But the other two are are uh, voice actors, right? So they're not just reading you the story. They're trying to give you the 
they're trying to act the characters, right? So yep. they're doing the voices. They're adding extra inflection. What's your preference? I like Patrick Lawler. He does a sexy man voice. So I'll listen to that one. But generally speaking, it depends on who mispronounces the um, least number of words. Okay. At, <laughs> At least when it comes, I can't stand when the audiobook reader pronounces Ken's last name as Carmody. Yeah. I, I have never heard uh, of that, right? His last name is Carmody. Carmody is an actual last name. Carmody is a made-up last name. Um. What's like Gina's last name is Vitaliano and sometimes they mispronounce that one bad. So how, how tall do you think Terry is? I assume Terry and Stan are approximately the same height. So you put them close to six feet then? Well, isn't Stan described as not as tall as most of the people around him? Yes. But he's taller than Jenk, who is definitely short. So um, what did you think of the uh, Martha-Helga relationship at, from starting from childhood? Oh, I thought that was cute. I thought that was definitely a cute addition to the story. I'm not always a huge fan of the World War II elements that she tends to throw in her books. Right. Um, and, you know, I didn't love that Herschel died. You know, it tends to be hit or miss whether or not the people from the World War II romance get to live, you know? Yeah. Uh, the, the ones from, is it Unsung Hero? The ones from Tom and Kelly's book, uh, they don't get to live happily ever after. And then the ones from Johnny and Meg's book, they do get to live happily ever after. Right? But Herschel and Annabeth don't get to live happily ever after. No. Right? And and then, you know, from from now on, you will occasionally see side stories that take place in World War II, and some of them will end well and some of them won't. And I generally look upon those side stories more favorably if it ends well. Right. So is there is there any part of the book that was disappointing to you? I don't know. This one is this one is if not my absolute favorite, pretty close. You know, I like I like what kind of a person Stan is, right? I think I think he's a good person and he just he does just the right amount of resisting of temptation right. without without going over the edge into you know like your stubbornness is making you stupid and i i do not like you um i think it set me up really wanting to read more about max and gina by the end of the book um i've never been a huge sam and Alyssa stan you know, I know a lot of people at the end of this book were like, 
you got to make that right. You need to fix it for them. And I was like, you know, I don't love either of them, right? Both of them are kind of very focused on their own self. You're talking about Alyssa and Sam? Yeah. Okay. I like it. I don't know. I both of them are described as particularly attractive, and I feel like for both of them, that might have led to a little bit of like the world revolves around me, itis, right? Yeah. If you look at the character of Stan, he's like always looking outward to fix everything for everybody else. Right? Yeah. But both of them are like, you know, how, how does everybody else relate to me? And I'm just, I, they grow as people, but they were not my favorite people right out of the gate. I, I do love Jules. I think he's adorable. That's her, her gay partner. Yes. Okay. So, so tell me anything that you would have liked to, you were disappointed by how it played. And I know, you know, what's coming. So I guess it's, it's not a particularly fair question, but. No, I can't, I can't say I was disappointed. I was shocked. Uh, like I said, at the end with the, like the pregnancy thing, um, right. that, that they did, they did catch me off guard. Um, I don't believe I ever thought that Gina was dead. Um, and, and I knew despite the fact that she was trying to trick you into thinking Terry was shot trot, right. I knew that even if she was shot trot, she wasn't dead right. because that's not how this works, right? Like the one consistent factor in romance novels is a happy ending. Liter- literally, there is nothing else that is con- consistent. That is the defining feature. You know, from where I sit right now, I can see, I can see my book collection, and you've got everything from uh, serious military stuff to vampire stuff, to farcical stuff. You, I've, got, I've got characters with legitimate mental illnesses and other characters with supernatural powers. You know, I've got historicals. I've got thrillers and comedies and, you know, lighthearted lyrical things and emotional tearjerker things. But the only thing they have in common is it always ends happily, right? So you know that they can't, they can't be dead, right? Yeah. I, so again, I was, uh, I read this as a single book. I didn't think about what happened prior to the book and I didn't anticipate what's going on, um, you know, what's going to happen next. But, uh, I, uh, you know, your happy ending uh, point is interesting here because um, it's both, right? She's got uh, some happy endings, some not so happy endings, and some wait and see kind of 
elements, right? Right. Well, my happy ending point only applies to the main character, right? Right. right. Like, especially with her books, because other people can die, right? And that's true in a lot of a lot of novels in the genre, right? Um, there's this phenomenon called fridging, and frid. Have you ever heard of fridging? No. Fridging is when a main character loses a loved one in order to drive some kind of emotional reaction from them, right? So, like, if you want a main character to start out really sad, you might fridge or kill off in a terrible way one of their loved ones, be it like a parent or a romantic partner or a child. You know, it depends on what kind of sadness you want them to start off with and how bad you want it to be. It it comes from a, a comic where somebody's dead girlfriend was found in a fridge. But that was horrifically murdered. Was it Stan that talked about how everybody who's got a life, you know, filled with pain or whatever, you look back and their familial relationships are at the root of the problem? Oh, it was, but let me, let me get up the quote because I, I have it. I read it in the promo, but I should definitely read it again because it it's one of the best quotes of all times for me. And also probably the quote of the book. Cause it really it really shows you where Stan is, is coming from as a person. Right. He learned through his experiences as a senior chief, dealing in particular with the younger enlisted men. That, the mo- that more often than not, if there was emotional damage, there was a father or mother lurking in the past who'd failed at the first commandment of parenting. Thou shalt not take thine own bad shit out on thine defenseless and trusting child. Right? Yeah. Do so, we know of any of the main five or six characters? Do we know anything about Max's childhood? Um, not yet. We okay. will. All right. But, but clearly, uh, Terry and Stan um, had really interesting childhoods. That that kind of was, uh, well, I guess, yeah. I, we don't hear a lot about Stan's sister, right? No, not beyond the fact that she uh, married a sailor and has three or four little girls. And we didn't hear that really until the interchange with Helga, or did we? Did I miss that earlier? Uh, Stan tells Terry that on the plane, and she calls him Uncle Stan. Oh, okay. <laughs> right, because his sister is pregnant again, and she says, "Uncle Stan, you and the girls must be so excited." And so- he says, "Not, not to ruin his reputation." Not to ruin his reputation, right? Okay. By letting on that he's a big softy. Right. I got. I'll, I'll turn it around on you. Was okay. there something about the book that disappointed you? You know, I, 
So from, from a structural point, uh, and I'm not sure that it matters, but from a structural point, there were too many uh, encounters where Stan was trying to set Terry up, right? I mean, I, I, I got to the point where, all right, enough of this. Let's see how, you know, jump her bones or have him have her <laughs> jump his bones, right? So, and it's not like, it wasn't a function of all the dragging this out. It was just like too many. I, I got it already. There was like no new news. I didn't, you know, it's clear that you love her. It's clear that you don't think it's the right thing. And, you, it's clear, and he's trying to resolve her issues. And that was weird where he had yeah. the guys coming in out of the field, you know, uh, bully her. Right. You thought he was doing too much resisting. So, yeah, I just thought it was, you know, we, I, I, I get it, Stan. I get it. So let's move on. Let's get to the conclusion. Let's make this book 32 pages less by leaving out one or two of those things, right? I guess at some point I felt bad for Mike. I don't know why, but, you know, the, the other, he was, <laughs> I like when he says, I was, to be honest, I was only at MIT for a month. So, right. That was pretty funny. So Mike um, is. So, Mike I, is a funny character. Who is Mike? Yeah. Do you know who who's going to play him? In the movie? Yeah. No, I don't. Like I said, I don't. I don't cast okay. um, people. Although I have to tell you, he. Oh, I always kind of pictured him looking a little like Michael, only shorter. Right. You know, because he's blonde, right? right. Mike yes. is blonde. Yep. Interesting. I, I don't know. I he's he's one of those characters that like is too happy for me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, sir, you need yeah. to suffer more because you're not interesting. <laughs> but, but you know, he his book serves a purpose, right? Because yeah. not all not all the books are. A lot of the books are about the central characters, but yeah. some of the books are really about the setup for other books. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, there's, there were a lot of character um, movements here. You know, I don't, I don't recall reading a book that had that many r real relationships. You know, throughout the book, I, I thought it was good. It was, it kept it interesting. Um, but so that was, that was that, but I, I guess, you know, I guess all, all being said, I would have liked, <clears throat> I would have liked, um, to see Sam and, uh, Elisa. I'd like to, I'd like to have seen the next phase of that relationship in the book. Yeah. Well, don't worry. You'll be seeing plenty of Sam and Alyssa. Okay. As far as as far as character follow up, they get a lot of character follow up. I think partly because um, the author is partial to Sam, and very partial to Jules. So the the triangle of Sam, Alyssa, and Jules just show up a lot. Jules, Jules is a pretty funny guy, right? He is a very funny guy. Yeah. And 
the more page time he gets, the more page time you want of him. Yeah. Because he is he is very funny and very likable. Yeah. And he cares a lot, right? And he's a He he's does. A, he's a kind of right to the point type of guy, right? <laughs> He calls her when she's bullshitting. So, you know, he calls her on it. Yeah. No, I, I like him too. So He's he's got grade A friend status. Yeah. And but also like like you say, he's not he's not afraid to tell her when she's slinging the bull, right? Yeah. He's not afraid to tell anybody it seems. So no, right? Because Jules could very easily be bitter, right? Yeah. You know, his life is not always easy. And people will be shitty to Jules. But he is relentless in his posi- positivity. Right? Yeah. I, I have read more than one, um, one story where a character will use like, positivity as a weapon right it's like you can't be terrible to me because i am just gonna nice you to death yeah Yeah. but jules is one of one of the finest examples of that right right yeah um that's pretty funny you're right uh, yeah i guess i guess uh that would be if I was if I wanted, you know, I guess the disappointment is in the desire to see more. Well, then I can let me reassure you, don't be disappointed. It's coming. But I am not going to let you skip to their book. No, I don't No, I don't want to do that. So Sam and Alyssa are not done. You will see more of them and their epic story arc. I I will tell I will tell you the now that I understand what you mean by disappointment. Yeah. Um, my disappointment came when I picked up the next book, and it wasn't Max and Gina. Okay. Um, I enjoyed the next book. It was good, but it wasn't who I wanted to read. I got you. And and then the book after that was also not Max and Gina, and I was disappointed. But I I didn't really get irate until I got to book six. This is book three, you you know. And yep. I got to book six, and it still wasn't Max and Gina. Uh, are they mentioned in the other books and just not developed? They're mentioned. They okay. have some interaction. You know, she's she's still keeping you on the hook, right? Wanting to know what's going on with them, aware that they're out in the world, living their lives, doing stuff, right? And, and yeah, I was just like not interested in reading about any of these other characters until Max and Gina were settled, right? Yeah. Um. But everybody, everybody develops favorites, right? The the character that they want to see more of, you know, and sometimes you get lucky and the author likes the character you like. And sometimes you, you know, get unlucky and the author is like, 
I cannot put in scenes of updating every character in every book. There are too many characters and it doesn't fit in the storyline. Um, I wish Bob would have took a bullet sooner than he did. Oh, they were awful, weren't they? It oh. was, it was gut wrenching that because of the explode, because of the terrorist attack at the hotel, they delayed going in, right, twelve yeah. hours, yeah, and they could have saved Gina all that, yeah, but it's plot necessary, right? You think so? I I know so. I guess you'll I guess you'll see later, but but I know so because um the the trauma it was necessary to character development of okay. s- several people. Did you think she was going to when they were looking for the senator's daughter, did you think she was going to say it's me? Did you anticipate that? I did because why else is she there? Yeah. Right? If if you read it and you go, oh no, the the sen- the girl at the airport's name is Karen. The the person they're looking for his name is Karen. Karen is not on the plane, and the only one who knows it is Gina. Then you know that, that Gina's gotta step up, right? Yeah. yeah. Plus for as many people, as many characters as there are in this book, right? There's not a lot of fat, right? Everyone serves a purpose. Yeah, I, I, I guess so when you stop and think about it. I, I, it's interesting that uh, that it didn't seem anyone circled back to the possibility that the lady with the baby with the overcoat on that didn't make a sound because Gina pointed out one of the babies hasn't made a sound and she's really worried about it. Right. Right. I'm worried about that baby, Max. Yeah. So it's interesting how no one put that two and two together. Right. Well, I, I think it's a matter of like where their attention was focused. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But it was another little tidbit, right? Right. If Gina Gina would have got some more microphone time, she might have been able to mention that there's this woman with a plastic looking baby in her overcoat. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I imagine that Gina isn't spending a lot of time in the cabin, right? Because she's up in the cockpit. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And they were all, all comfortable that they, you know, was the four terrorists and they knew it. You know what I mean? Right. Right. They they were pretty confident that it was just, wasn't it five terrorists and the right, sixth yeah, one was the woman? Yeah. yeah. You know, but, but Gina's like a college student. She doesn't, she's not trained in counterterrorism. Yeah. Right. She's just doing her best to mention how many guns they have and how many people there are there. Yeah. Well, she did a great job of, of telling them that what's her name wasn't on the plane. Right. Right. Well, she, she wanted to make sure they didn't out her. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, the uh, the father almost did. I'm surprised Max didn't slap him. Max was very close. Yeah. Max was very close. You know, and uh, did did you notice um, Sam throwing up in the trash can? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how you describe it. Like often when they write like a like a tough guy character, yeah. they'll give them like a soft spot thing. Yeah. So that you're like, oh, they have feelings. Yeah. Well, what was the crying right? thing with Sam? When what do you mean? Elise, what was the crying when, thing? When Elise came back in the room to get her fanny pack or whatever it was, and Sam was on the floor crying. Because she hates him, right? Like, he he loves her, at, but he doesn't know how to have feelings. Okay, right? so that, like, that's what that was, that, that uh, they had such a great encounter again, and he can't figure out how to work his way through it. That's why he was, that's why he destroyed his room and was sitting on the floor crying. Right, he, she only likes him when she's drunk. Right. Because she sees him as something he isn't and how she treats him sets, makes him, it niggles at his insecurities. And so he reacts poorly and sort of reinforces her negative perception of him. Right. So they, the only way they can both relax enough to have a genuine encounter is if like they have the safe, the emotional safety barrier of her being drunk. Right. Because she can she can admit to herself that she likes him and he can pretend to himself that she's not going to remember any of him being vulnerable in the morning. But it was interesting how she brought up the point, like, I would like to have just a regular date, you know? And then she was getting dressed for that date, right? Right. So she was trying to get to the next step when they both, when they weren't drunk. Right. But it it never would have gotten to that point if that scene where she finds him crying hadn't happened, right? Yeah. Because it's it's only her seeing him like that that lets her sort of see him as a real person. Yeah. And not just as sort of the macho stereotype he pretends to be. You think that's what that was? That's definitely what that was. Also, it... I think... Part of it is her seeing him like that kind of gives him the added push to confess his feelings because, like, she's already seen him cry, right? So she, so he can, he says, maybe she already knows, right? Like, how much worse can it get is essentially where he's at. He might as well, you know, try being real with her. Yeah, I thought he had come to that conclusion already. No? He came to the conclusion that he wanted to to try with her, 
but he hadn't he hadn't been able to have a conversation with her that didn't end in her angry at him. Right. Right? Yeah. Like the encounter by the pool is really um emblematic of it, right? Right. He's like busy naming their children. Right. And she's and she's like I hate myself for wanting him. Right. You know, he's he's a disgusting person. You know, because she doesn't see him as a person, right? She just sees him as, you know, a a dude in cowboy boots and a cowboy hat, you know, who potentially hits on everything in pants, in skirts. Yeah. How old is you know, she? And, Do we know how old she is? Um, Their age difference is, is not like Stan and, and Terry, right? N- no, they're written to be pretty much the same age. Right. Do you think... You know, but... Well, you know the answer to this, so don't tell me. I was just, I'm just wondering if, uh, if Terry goes into... She seems to have a mindset on a job that'll let her be in... San Diego, blah, blah, blah. So seems like that's coming together as well. Well, she's only saying that in the hopes that it'll get Stan to like ask her out or propose, right? Right. Because she's saying, I live in, I'm going to be in your neighborhood. Yeah. Pretty much permanently. Hint, hint. Right. And then remember how at the at the at, at the end of the book she's like, "Listen, I'm going to give you a couple more days to propose, and then, and then I'm, gonna ask I'm just going to ask." Right. And then he whips out the ring. Right. Do we see Stan's father again? N- not that I know of. Okay. So he brings the ring, and he he's out again. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I honestly, I was frustrated by the lack of more Stan and Terry in future books. But I think after this, this was done, she was just done with them. You know, she saw them as finished and didn't feel the need to, you know, keep writing them. Yeah. Uh, Not that, not that you won't see Stan occasionally in later books and hear updates about what Terry's doing. I forget, is Terry's mother deceased? I do not believe Terry's mother is deceased. I think she's just um, unpleasant. Yeah, well, yeah, everything. <laughs> she seems to be unpleasant. And if based on Terry's childhood, I'm not sure I would want to see her either, but I was just wondering. I, I think she just continues to... To be drunk in Massachusetts. Okay. Oh, boy. Nearly every book, they give you a glimpse into the main character's childhoods because it helps you understand who that character is more. Um, you know, and, and depending on the character, it can be traumatic or not traumatic, you know? Yeah. And not all their trauma is similar right like each person that's one of the things that made 
uh, Suzanne Brockman's books stand out when they came out. A lot of authors have a type, right? And so all their characters sort of fall into a very specific dynamic and and it, it becomes like a repeat of the same story over and over again in a different setting. Yeah. But all her all her books Okay, I won't say all because eventually she does start to repeat herself. But most of her books, each of her characters is sort of uniquely drawn. And their relationships and backstories are also unique in order to, you know, make them the people they are. Yeah. Well, she did a lot of that in the one book. So, you know, a credit to her writing style. But... It's, it's interesting, you know. Not being familiar with military life, other than movies and books and stuff, it was an interesting inside look into what's going on there. What, what was the name of the drunk guy? The first encounter in the bar. Joel Hogan. No, no, no. Joel Hogan's a bad guy. The guy. Yeah, which he, drunk guy in the bar? The guy who keeps breaking up with the girl, and he was in the bar, and he was locked himself in the bathroom, and. Stan had to come and get the Marines to go home and said, we're going to fight. We'll set this up tomorrow in the ring or something like that. Kenny. Uh, the guy in the bathroom's name was Ken Carmody. Yeah, doesn't he have a nickname? Wild Card. Wild Card. That's right. Wild Card. Do we see him again? His book is the next book in the series. Really? Yes. Interesting. I'm pr- I'm particularly fond of Kenny because he's um, one of the first well-drawn nerd characters that you ever really see. Yeah. You know, he he's very happy to be in the military, you know, very good with computers, just really excited that his nickname is Wildcard. <laughs> you know, that's like way too cool for him. That in that in his mind, he's like, like he's getting away with something that they call him that. Yeah. You know. That, that okay. was an interesting scene. Yeah. Do you remember his ex girlfriend's name? What What was it? I believe it's Adele. Adele. And yes. So, so Kenny's like really really intensely wants to be somebody's boyfriend and and you find out like much more about why in his book Uh-oh. you know all right don't tell and me. his i won't and his relationship with adele so this was the first read of a romance novel and i i really enjoyed it i just uh I found myself being frustrated, like when the scene would shift and we, we go to, we're talking now Helga's back in the picture and I really want to know what was next with uh, Terry and, and Stan. So, and to me, that's all good, right? The, the uh, expectation and the desire to know more and to like argue with myself as to whether or not that couldn't have happened, you know, that type of thing. So... So just from a, anyone who's listening in to today's uh, podcast, I would strongly recommend the, 
the the read of this book, even if uh, uh, because it's more than just a romance novel, and it really is. And um, it it uh, it would make a good uh, movie, I think. Um, and I'm still trying to think about who will play the, the different parts. It also could, depending on what comes next, turn out to be uh, episodic uh, cable. Um, you know, which which different seasons following different relationships and so on and so forth. And all these, many of these people are involved in generational military families. So we could move into the Korean War and the Vietnam War and at some point uh, Operation Freedom in the Middle East following some of these characters and maybe their offspring. So, yeah, I would recommend it. I thank you, Tony, for recommending it to me. Um, And I look forward to the next read now, especially I know my favorite uh, crazy character is gonna is gonna play a, an important role in the, in the book. So you think we should email HBO and tell them they should make uh, Suzanne Brockman's troubleshooter team their new Game of Thrones? I so that's not a bad idea. I'd like to think a little bit more because they're gonna write. They're gonna come back and ask me, do I want to play a role in the movie? So I have to think about who I want to be. Well, maybe you should read the whole series before you settle on a character. All right. Well, let's let me. I'm gonna think about it, and then we'll, I'll get back to you on next on our next podcast. All right.